Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Well, tonight my message actually is very simple, but I wrote it in November, believe it or not. I wrote it in November because actually the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about preaching a message on who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to me? I don't know if you've heard the story, but one of the girls that lives in our neighbourhood, she was singing, I'm in love with Jesus, one of our great Arise songs. And she jumped on her trampoline. She was singing, I'm in love with Jesus. Actually, I shouldn't even try. At the top of her lungs. And uh, the neighbourhood kid popped his head over the fence and said, hey, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? And I thought, my goodness, isn't that a wake-up call for us, the church, or any Christian in this room, to ask the question, how could someone not know who our Jesus is? If you're in this room tonight, my prayer is, if you don't know Jesus, that you would walk out knowing a little bit about who my Jesus is. And so burning in my heart was this thought to write about who is Jesus to me. And so tonight I want to just take a few simple things that have been how Jesus has moved in my life and who Jesus is to me. So simple but profound, I pray. You know, I, um, I watched a movie once many years ago and it was quite a funny movie. I will not say the title because it's not a recommendation. Okay. However, there was one scene in the movie that was very entertaining. In the movie, there was a coffin and people were sitting at a funeral. The eulogy had begun. The funeral service had begun. And suddenly, there was like a banging noise. And somebody says, I think that's coming from the coffin. And the other person's like, no, no. And then the coffin started to jiggle. Guests at the funeral started to look and think, my goodness, what is going on? And then as the eulogy got underway, to everybody's surprise, all of a sudden, the coffin lid burst open and a man jumped out of the coffin. There was also a body in there, but somebody else jumped out of the coffin. To the shock and horror of all the wedding guests, no, not the wedding guests, the funeral guests, oh dear, who proceeded to burst into tears, to fall on one another and to be shocked and dismayed. They were not expecting a body to jump out of the coffin. Clearly, it was a great surprise to them. But sometimes, you know what? Our life can be exactly like that. On the surface, it looks like everything is locked away. It looks like everything is calm. It looks like not much is happening. In fact, perhaps it even looks like we might be not really making the most of life. But on the inside, quite differently, things can be taking place. There can be life within that we don't see without. There can be life within that we haven't yet realised. You see, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, when we receive Him and believe Him, He comes and He lives within. 
He comes and He lives within. But the life that Jesus gives us cannot be put a lid on. You can't put a lid on the life that Jesus gives. You can't control Jesus. You can't postpone Him working in your life. When Jesus comes and lives within, He is gonna burst out of your life. He is gonna overflow in your life. He is gonna surprise the people around you. He's gonna bring shock to the people around you. They're gonna be like, who was this person? They used to be so afraid and now they're full of boldness. Who is this person? What looked like an ordinary life, an ordinary coffin, an ordinary package has now got something coming alive on the inside, on the inside. Galatians 2.20 says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, that's where Jesus wants to live. It's not on the outside of us, but on the very inside of us. He wants to live within. You see, John 14.21 says this, those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father. And I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. Did you catch that? If we love God and we obey Him, then God says, I will manifest my life within you. If we love Jesus, His life will be living within us. Let's go deeper. And this is my key scripture tonight. Colossians 2, 27. And I'm reading tonight from the Passion Translation. I love this new translation. If you've been reading the Bible for a while and you're looking for a change, I couldn't recommend the Passion Translation more highly. It is so brilliant. Colossians 2, 27 says this. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for His people. And God wants everyone to know it. God wants everyone to know it. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. That's really our question, isn't it? Is Jesus Christ within us? Is He living within us? And if He is, then our experience of life should be different to what we actually see on the outside. What it looks like on the outside is not what's happening on the inside. See, we might look like we're sucking sour lemons, but actually we're drinking lemonade. You follow tonight? Now, I have a lady who's in my life and her name is Renee. She doesn't come to our church, um, but she uh, is part of my world. And she called me when I was in Australia last year and she was distraught. She was absolutely distraught. She's from South Africa and her family is still in South Africa and possibly in an in unsafe part. And she called me and she was just crying and it was, it was hard to understand what she was saying. She said, Gillian, my father has been taken. My father has disappeared. We don't know what's happened, but his stuff was dropped on the ground and he should have been home and he's not home and we're fearing the worst. And she was absolutely losing the plot. So I listened for quite a long time and just, just listened to what she was saying. And there wasn't much I could say. And she was petrified. She was telling me, I can't turn up at your house to do this stuff because I just, I'm so distraught. I don't know what's happening. And can you pray? I said, Renee, I'm going to call all the intercessors in the church and we're going to pray for your father. We're going to pray for him. And she's like, thank you, Gillian. Thank you. And I'm like, okay. But Renee, you know, she had, she had no hope. 
She was despairing. She thought that she would be finding a body. And I said, Renee, before you go, something rose up within me. You see, she was presenting me with a scenario where there was no hope. But I had a different knowledge of Jesus. And I know that Jesus is the hope that burns within me. He's the hope that burns within me. And so before she could hang up the phone, I said, Renee, listen to me. While there is life, there is hope. I said, our Jesus is a loving Father. He will bring your Father back. I said, we must trust and we must pray and we must believe that He will be found and He will be safe. She said, thank you, Gillian, thank you. And she's in tears. And I said, Renee, we're not just praying that everything works out. We're praying that He is okay, that He is safe, that He is saved by Jesus. So she was given a shred of hope because when Jesus is the hope within us that burns, we have a hope that we can give away. That's what we're all called to do as Christians who believe in Jesus. When the hope lives within us, we're called to give this hope away, have a reason to share Jesus, have an ability to give this hope away. And so we ended the phone call and I began to pray and I texted the team to pray. And then 24 hours later, I was still prayerful for her father, but 24 hours later, she called me and she said, Jillian, I need to tell you what happened. I need to tell you that we have found my father. We have found him. She said that just by chance, the police had found him. He was on the side of the road. He was totally beaten up. He was completely battered. But he had had this sense, this conviction that she believed came from the Spirit of God who prompted him to jump out of a moving car because he knew that his life was going to be taken if he stayed in that car. They'd robbed him. They'd taken him to an ATM. They'd tried to get all his money. And then when he hadn't given them much money, they had beaten him up. But do you know what the miracle was? The first miracle was the police even found him because he was right off the beaten track. He shouldn't have been found. But she had given such a detailed description that the police were able to find him and go, that's that guy, that's that guy. So he wasn't nameless and faceless, unconscious in a hospital, but his family was able to come straight away based on the description. And you know what was also incredible? Despite his comprehensive injuries, he had no internal bleeding, no internal bleeding. So it was all injuries that would heal up very quick. And of course he was alive and would be returned to his family. See, Jesus is always the hope that burns within. When there is no hope, when we pray and we believe that God is able, then something kicks in and we don't accept loss. We don't accept defeat. We don't accept death. We don't accept that things will just go badly because we know the King of victory and the King of victory lives within us. The one who conquered sin and death is at work and alive within us. You know, a bad circumstance then is simply an opportunity for Him to reveal His glory. When things don't go how I think they should or how I've planned, He's designing something far better than I could have designed. We need to know that we are never sunk even when it looks like we are going down. He is at work. He is the hope within I'm sure many of you will have heard the story of John and I foolishly buying a leaky house. It looked like we were sunk when we got that report of the damage and what it would take to fix this house. It looked like we were going down. 
But God is always at work within our circumstance. And even in the midst of a terrible situation, He was the hope within. Even when it looked like we would go bankrupt because we would owe more on the house than we had paid for it because of the work needed. How does that work? He is the hope within. We prayed, we asked God for favour and we were able to fix the house and we were able to sell the house and still walk away with a little bit more than our original deposit. God is always the hope within. You know, sure, we lost a bump in the market, but the reality is that God always repays what the locusts eat. What the devil intends for for bad, God intends for good. Our suffering and our testing was so that we would understand and have empathy. What God, what the devil intends to harm us, God intends for good. You know, we suffer so that we would understand and have empathy towards those who also suffer. Think about Joseph. Think about Joseph and what happened to him. His jealous brothers sold him off to slave traders. They threw him into a pit. They put his life down, but God was the one who lifted him up. They threw him down. They cursed him. They hated him. But God loved him and God lifted him and God promoted him. See, Joseph never let go of something that was burning within. The hope within. Even though his circumstance was the walls of a pit. Even though his circumstances was a temptress. Even though his circumstances was then a prison. He was never imprisoned in despair. He was never imprisoned in a lack and a feeling like God had left him. No, he had a hope that burned within. He had a dream that burned within. And even in the midst of the pit and even in the midst of the prison, something was still alive in him because Jesus was in his heart. Jesus was the one within My friends, I want to tell you tonight that those circumstances can be difficult. We can always hold to hope. See, it's interesting that the Bible says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. See, sometimes you might think hope is the awkward cousin. Do you? You know, faith, yeah, I understand that that's going to last for all eternity. Our faith is going to last for time. I mean, it's all about believing in Jesus at the end of time, okay? Love. Well, God is love. We can't be saved if we don't love and forgive. Love is a quintessential thing. So how then does hope fit into this three-strand cord? Hope being so considered so vital. My friends, Jesus is always the hope that burns within. When we think things are gonna go badly, He's saying, I'm just, that you might be being put down, but it's so that I can lift you up. God wants to lift us up. God wants us to keep the hope burning within our lives. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says this, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness. I love that. When we have hope alive in us, nothing can contain us. There is no lid. There is no lid on a person who has hope and believes that God can perform His Word concerning us. How do I know? that Jesus is the hope within. The Samaritan woman, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter four. Have you ever thought what it would have been like to be her? Going to the well when nobody else was around, going to the well in the heat of the day to get a drink of water, to go and get water for her family. 
she would go, <coughs> she would travel, she would go to that well, she would try to draw water out of it and she would get water. Excuse me, my throat is just gone completely. <laughs> it's fine, it's just a dumb throat thing. Tell the person next to you, she's preaching good, she'll, she'll be right in a minute. And there she is, coming to the well, and she sees a man sitting on the well. She sees a man sitting on the well, Jacob's well. Jacob speaks of the law of the old covenant. Jesus is the one to bring the new covenant. The well of life sits on a well. Jesus is now the lid on Jacob's well, saying, that old life is over. You don't need to come and drink from the well of the law. You come and drink from the well of life. I am the one who will give you lit rivers of living water. We see this woman. Some think her name might be Photony. Photony. She meets Jesus. She encounters him. She has a thirst that she doesn't even know is there. She's thirsty for something that no man has been able to fulfill. Sorry, men. They couldn't meet her needs. She'd gone through this one and that one. She discarded them. <clears throat> Five men later, and still she thirsts. And then she finally meets the man who can meet her thirst. And you know what starts to happen? When she encounters this living well, hope starts to rise up. Hope begins to rise in her heart again. She understands that she's looking at someone who can change everything in her life. She begins to talk with him. She gets so excited. Everything changes for her. She can hope again. She can hope again. She runs to her village. She runs to her village. She begins to say, come, come and meet the man who told me everything about me. Come and meet him. Could this be, could this be the anointed one? Could this be the Messiah? Her hope begins to rise. Jesus is always the hope within. This woman found something. This woman found Jesus Christ, who loved her despite her failings, who loved her despite a life of sin, who loved her despite her habitual thirst that was never satisfied. And He came to her as a wellspring. That's what Jesus does. He comes to us to satisfy what we need. He fulfills the need that we have, the longing that we have the lack of fulfillment that we have, the rejection that we have. He becomes our acceptance. When we face these moments, everything changes when we come face to face with Jesus. This woman, do you know her name, they think, was Photony. She will go down in history as the first New Testament evangelist to win a city to Christ. A downtrodden, despised, 
Samaritan woman. Don't let anyone say to you, your race is gonna stop you. Don't let anyone say to you, your age is gonna stop you. Don't let anyone say your upbringing is gonna stop you. Don't let anyone say that your time is done. Don't let anyone say that you can't carry the hope of Christ within you because Jesus comes to the most broken and the most despised and He allows her to drink from the well of living water. And the world is changed. The world is changed because one woman begins to hope and finds a hope within, a wellspring within, fresh and living water within. Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. The second thing that Jesus has been to me in my life, He's always been a hope that burns within. You know what I'm hoping for? I'm hoping for eternity. I'm hoping for heaven. I'm hoping for that day when the trumpet sounds and we will be raised with Christ. I'm hoping for what Jesus has promised, the glorious inheritance of the saints. I'm hoping for the crown of life. I'm hoping to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm hoping and I'm holding to hope. The second thing for me is that Jesus is the source of joy. The source of joy. What's joy? Joy is the strength within. Joy is the strength within. It's interesting, isn't it, that John, who came before Jesus, John, who was the one with the voice calling in the wilderness, he fasted, and all the disciples of John fasted. But all the disciples of Jesus, they did not fast. They feasted. They feasted, they celebrated, they laughed, they lived, they went, lived. They went to weddings, they went to parties, they went to celebrations. What does that illustrate for us? That Jesus was a man who had joy. He, he wasn't totally all solitary. He also had joy. He brought something into environments. There was something exciting around when Jesus was there. You know, we just can't be depressed when we are with Jesus. And when Jesus lives within us, how can we stay down if He is our joy? He is the strength within us. <clears throat> See, He is the joy of our salvation, the joy of knowing Christ and needing nothing else but Him. Joy is what gives us endurance. Jesus, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross. You know, God will turn our hearts from heaviness to lightness because He is the joy within. I'll never forget experiencing this when I was only 17. My friend had taken their life and I remember the guilt, I remember the shame, I remember the weight of grief, feeling like somehow I should have known that I was responsible, feeling a burden far greater than if a friend had just tragically died, but because they'd made this choice, I felt so responsible. And the sadness and the grief and the journey through life of those moments where you feel overwhelmed. I'll never forget at the age of 17 where I started to spend time in the presence of God. And I'd spend time in the presence of God. And every time we, were in, we worship music would be playing and every time we'd begin to sing, I would cry. And I wouldn't just cry, I would weep. Tears would literally drip off my face. It was shocking. I was like, mess. I should have learned about waterproof mascara earlier. It's such a shame. I don't hardly need it now, but back then it would have been great. So there I would just be weeping and weeping and weeping. And then time after time, I reckon it would have been a process of at least two years, where every time, every time I was in the presence of God, 
I would weep. People must have looked at me and thought, man, that girl is so broken. Man, that girl, she's got issues. Man, that girl, something is wrong with her. Man, that girl, why does she just always weep when we're in worship? Like, doesn't she know that God is good? Can't she see that God is great? God is amazing? Now, the truth is that sometimes we have to go in the process of knowing Jesus' love and finding that freedom. But I'll never forget the moment. I remember the hall that I was in. I remember the old carpet on the floor. It was like golden yellow. I remember the like those pinholes in the wall. I remember the terrible sound system. I remember the old school music that we were singing. I remember the fact that people all over the room were kneeling and the presence of God was there. There was a weight of glory in the house. And I'll never remember this final tear dripped off my face. And then suddenly... They stopped. Suddenly, there was no more crying. Suddenly, there was no more grief. Suddenly, there was no more shame. Suddenly, there was no more fear. Suddenly, there was no sense of loss. There was peace. Suddenly, there was relief. Suddenly, there was joy. And then all of a sudden, after the tears stopped, within my heart began to burn this incredible sense of joy that I was overwhelmed that in spite of my brokenness, in spite of my shame, in spite of my sin, not just the loss of the friend, you see my whole life got lumped into one moment. In spite of everything I could have done, should have done, had done, Jesus loved me. This joy inescapable flooded my soul. I wanted to leap up and shout. I wanted to run around the room. They would have thought, man, she's stopped crying and she's gone crazy. Like I wanted to shout like a banshee. I wanted to, to laugh like a man. I wanted to just scream at the top of my lungs. God is great. And this joy it flooded my soul. And I knew with a surety that Jesus was the joy within me. God does this in our lives. He does it. How would Paul and Silas in a prison have praised God if they didn't know that He was the joy within? When everything without is bad, He was the joy within. They had been shamed. They had been humiliated. I don't know if you know the story, but they'd been in this town and people had said, they're preaching Jesus, they're preaching Jesus, they've got to stop. And they didn't know they were Romans and they'd stripped them, they'd beaten them. They'd thrown them into jail with the rats nibbling at their toes. They were stuck in stocks, they couldn't move. Their bodies were freezing. And it was midnight. In the midnight season of our lives, when all circumstances are going back, do we know that He is the joy within? He is in the midnight season of our lives. When we look lost in the face, when we look that brutal death in the face, when we stare down the grave, when we look in the face 
of the robber and we look in the face of the thief, he is the joy within. Though every demon in hell attacks me, I am unassailable because the King of victory lives within. He is the joy within. And so at my midnight season, I will lift my voice and I will begin to praise and I will begin to sing and I will begin to shout that greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world. Oh, somebody in this room, greater is he who is in me. Christ is within me than he who is in the world. Tonight I wanna ask, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? He is my hope, He is my joy, He is my strength, He is my portion, He is the power within. He is the power within, did you know? That when He went to the cross, if the band can come, did you know that when He went to the cross, His pain became our power? His pain became our power. You know, whenever we endure pain, God wants to turn it into power. He wants to turn it in power to empathise. He wants to turn it into power to minister. He wants to turn your story into a testimony. He wants to take what you've suffered and make it something beautiful. Ashes into beauty. That's what God does. He is into reversals. He is the God of reversals. The moment we think we're down, He's lifting us up. Remember Joseph. The journey is the process to God revealing what's really in there. And His pain became our promise. His pain became our power. We have this treasure, the Bible says. We have this treasure. What treasure? Christ within us. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us, but from Christ Himself. Do you know that He is the power within? The power to overcome sin. You don't have to do that old thing you don't want because He's the power within. The power to heal. He is our healing. He is the healer. And He says, greater things will you do than I did. How does that work? We're not Jesus. No, we're not. And we don't do any miracles, but Jesus does through us when Jesus lives within us. Christ within us is the power within. Amen. The same power the Bible says, The same power that conquered the grave lives where? Lives in me. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. Who is Jesus to you? Does He live in you tonight? Who is Jesus to you? The same power that conquered the grave? That's some kind of power right there. It's a power of love that no hate can contain. It's the power of love that Jesus would look at our lives and He would say, rise up, (coughs) rise up, rise up. You don't live contained with a lid on. I've come to put a lid on that old life and I've come to be the wellspring for your new life. I'm sitting on that old well to be the new well which would surge up within you. What does the Bible say? That rivers of living water would flow from within you. In Jesus' Name. He is the power within. And lastly tonight, so not lastly, there's no full stop. There's no full stop to who Jesus is to me, who Jesus is to you. How can I put a full stop on it? But the greatest thing for Jesus to be within my life and within your life tonight is that the Bible says that Jesus is the light 
within. He is the light within. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness is the one who has cascaded His light into us or made His light shine in our hearts. Other translations say, I kind of like has cascaded His light into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. I love lights. I love Christmas lights. I love fairy lights. I'm always like, John, let's go and buy all the Christmas lights at the warehouse. I like, I want my house to be like that candy cane house. It's all lit up and the kids come and, you know, it's like, that's what I want. But do we have any? No. Is John very handy at hanging things up? No. I get no outdoor Christmas lights at all. I'm like, couldn't we just string some up on the little tree on the lawn? How hard would that be? But me and ladders don't mix. So if John's not getting up the ladder, I've been banned. Just gives you a little hint about my life. I have been banned by John from climbing ladders. Yep. Last time I climbed a ladder, I got electrocuted. And I, it wasn't good. I wasn't good. Now I was trying to fix a light. That's quite funny, actually. But <laughs> just don't think of all the jokes about how many blondes it takes to change a light bulb. <laughs> In my case, this blonde banned, banned from changing light bulbs and banned from going up ladders. But in my life, I love lights. In my house, I just like, I like burning candles. I turn on a candle if it's like time to just have rest and peace. I turn off all the big lights. I hate when people come over and it's like glaringly bright. bright. I want it to be comfortable. I want it to feel intimate. I want it to feel beautiful. And so I just love lights. And I hate when Christmas is over and you sigh when you have to pull out your Christmas fairy lights. At least I can put those up. And you sigh when you put down the Christmas tree. But with Jesus, He is the light that will never go out. He is the light that we never put away, that we certainly shouldn't hide away. He is an eternal light that burns within us. Jesus, in fact, is called the bright and morning star, the bright and morning star. See, Lucifer was an angel of light, the Bible says but He fell from heaven like lightning. And He is now no longer called an angel of light. He has lost that title. And instead now, Jesus has taken the title from Him because He is now being called the bright and morning star. The bright and morning star. And the Bible says, when that day star dawns in our hearts, what's it talking about? Jesus, the bright and morning star returning. His star already shines in our hearts when we receive Him. But when He comes again, we will know that His light has shone like never before. He will ascend in glory. You know, I'll never forget tonight, the first time I saw, felt like I had a picture of Jesus in worship. I'll never forget the time where I felt like His presence was so thick and heavy. Do you know that the Hebrews don't have the word for presence? The writers of the Bible, they didn't have a word for His presence. Do you know how they would describe it? They would say, it was as if we came face to face. Face to face. It's what Jesus wants. 
is that we would actually come face to face. Think about what happened in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, when Moses went up the holy hill and came face to face with God. Do you remember what happened to Moses? The Bible says that his face burned so brightly after being face to face that he had, when he came down, he had to put a veil on his face because it shone so brightly. But the Bible says in the New Testament that we should shine even more brightly because the radiance that Moses had was fading, but the radiance that Christ brings was everlasting. It could not fade out. And that's why in the Psalms it says, the faces of those who look to Him are radiant. The faces of those who look to Him are radiant. They are never covered with shame. He is the light within. He is the light that burns within. He is the light that shines through us. Do not hide your light under a bushel, but let your light shine. He was the light of the world. And then He said, now I'm going to make you the light of the world. The hope of glory lives in you. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at Gillian Cameron.